Hello, hello. Welcome back to a new episode of Chatting with Shrev. Today I have, I want to say my brother from another mother, one of my best friends. He is currently a D2 uh, at the University of Pittsburgh. I want to welcome my friend, Nathan Figueroa. Uh, yes, thank you for having me on your show. What's Bro- up, man? This is a long time in the making. Yeah, man. It's been a crazy long time. It's been since the womb, if I had to assume. Since the womb, yeah. Dude. You just had to finish up D1. How did that go? How's D1 year? Oh, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what D1 or D2 stands for, that just means dental student year one, year mm-hmm. two, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, first year went well. Um, literally caught the golden wave. That's what everyone keeps saying. Uh, yeah. That's- the only silver lining that I could think of, um, other than, you know, just staying at home with the fam, mm-hmm. this pandemic is that we got to have dental school online pretty much. Yeah. How was that? Like, how did your expectations like kind of change throughout the semester? Like from what you had like going into, like on how you were going to handle coursework, like your social life and everything else. Oh, definitely. Yeah. When I came in, I was very naive. I, uh, Thought I had to study um, the way I used to back in undergrad. Yeah. Um, only to find out that you have to study more. <laughs> even even when it is online, you have to still study more. Yeah. But you can get smart about it. Okay. So you, you kind of find ways uh, that work for some classes uh, that don't work for others. Yeah. Um, you realize that you know what you value most is actually where you'll like want to be. Like if you want to like value like your time. Mm-hmm. Um, lab, uh, because like you value your hand skills more than you value uh, the knowledge of like the chain reaction of you know just some sort of chain reaction. Who knows? It could be anything. Or a biochemical pathway. You be the crap. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just you know all those uh, nitty gritty details of you know the fine hard biomedical courses like your biochems and microbio. Yeah. Um, they matter to a certain extent in the fact that you have to know that when you, when you take your boards, but mm-hmm. as a student, you kind of get to like pick and choose what you want to do. Okay. So is it like fair to assume that you like lab more than like the in-class material procedures and stuff? Oh, 100%. Okay. What's well, been like your favorite um, thing to do in lab? Like what is, what was like most memorable activity or procedure that you've been given um well so far we haven't been doing nothing like too crazy we've just been just doing basic uh they're called preps preparations mm-hmm. basically that just means when you're at the dentist right let's say you have a cavity yeah he's going to be you know looking at that cavity in its form yeah maybe in its extent uh where it's at um and then he'll decide okay like I will be doing a class one prep mm-hmm. and that just means he's going to be going in with his uh, high speed drill and he'll actually go down into your tooth and make an outline that is what we call ideal okay and those outlines change based on the class and there's six classes total um that we that we do mm-hmm. and so far we've gotten up to almost all of them i believe except for class six and I would say out of all those, my favorite one would probably be a class four. Okay. Uh, mainly because that one's very technique sensitive. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of satisfaction when you finish it because it's very aesthetic. So class four is just, um, <clears throat> let's say, you know, you're on your bike and you fall off and you break your, uh, your central incisor, which is, you know, those two big teeth. Okay. That smile. That's just what we see. Those two big ones. Okay. Let's say you just fracture that off, and uh, now you're left with like half a tooth. Okay. So class four would be a scenario like that, where you have to rebuild that incisal edge of that that tooth. Yeah. Um, to match the other one, pretty much exactly. Yeah. That's what makes it hard. It's because you're looking at the other tooth, and you want to match it exactly in its shape, size, color, etc. Yeah. Um. And make sure that it's still functional because mm-hmm. they, they fall out pretty fast. So, so I thought that one was like one of my favorites um, to do in person because we only got to do that twice. Okay. And it was just, it was just good lab. I liked it a lot. 
So I've seen like some of like our other dentistry friends, they've like taken up photography to take imagings of their patients and like see the before and after. Is that something that you'll be interested also like in the near future of like taking up photography as a skill so you can like measure the differences before and after of your patients? Yeah, for sure. Um, mainly because you just want to keep a log just to see where you progress. Right. It's not even like, you know, I get a patient in my chair. I want to take a picture of them for, you know, just, just to have it yeah. for them. Um, it's also to see like where, you know, you've gone and how, how far you've came and, you know, where you can still go in the future. Right. So it's always good to just track things down. Like what we're doing now, like this is a form of like recording something. Right. We're, we're recording a part of our history. Essentially. Yeah. Um, so different form. Dude, I, that's amazing, man. When I like, saw you in Pittsburgh, it seemed like you were loving the city and it was, seemed like a better Richmond from what I uh, saw and gathered. Um, but I also want to tell our listeners of the athlete side of you. I, we went over the schooling side, but I want to talk to tell them the athlete side of Dr. Nathan Figueroa. You were a high school state champion in soccer. Is that correct? No, I was not. No, we got, we got our school uh uh, to states for the first time in uh, soccer, um, but we lost in the semifinals. Ah, okay. Grand soccer, right? Hmm. Home of the Boilermakers? No, 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 no. Oh my God, no! <laughs> messing it up, man. I'm messing it up. <laughs> it's uh, the home of the G-men. Very original. G-men. Yes, yes, yes. We're, I, we're the I remember something about heat, and then I was like, maybe it's the Boilermakers. But where I was going with that was, I wish, dude, that would be awesome. Grand Boilermakers. Ooh, it has a good ring to it. No, we're just the stupid G-men, or as our enemies like to call us, G-strings. So where I was going with that was, I was going to ask if you were watching the Olympics this year, even, uh, even though like you were still in school like you're, throughout the summer, and what your thoughts were like on how everything's like, uh, they're going about it, like no fans, and like how the events are going in place, and how some athletes are pulling out like due to mental health, mental illness. Like uh, I just wanted to like know your thoughts and like, were you like, have you seen it? Yeah. yeah. I've been watching it. Um, as soon as I got back home, pretty much yeah. every day. Um, so I've been keeping up <clears throat> and well, my initial thoughts of just um, this year's Olympics was just like, what are they going to do? Like, how are they, how are they going to like make it, you know, as hype, yeah. not just for us, but like for, for the athletes as well. And, and I've noticed um, it really hasn't changed that much. Um, there's only been a, I feel like when I was watching it yesterday, there was only one person uh, that actually voiced that to the commentators. Mm. Um, and other than that, I feel like I still get pretty much the same general experience, mainly because I'm not there in person. Right. I cannot, you know, spend fat stacks like that to be, <laughs> To be there in person, as much as I would love to, uh, I just don't have it at the moment. So, I was somewhere it was like the tickets only cost a hundred dollars, but the main travel expenses, obviously flights and hotel expenses, and like whatever you spend, like in that country that's hosting it. Right. So I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on prime example like Simone Biles? Right. We were talking about this the other day and how she is kind of like the face of the U.S. in these games because of how decorated Olympian she was in prior prior years. What what did you think when she pulled out of the team competitions and some individual competitions like last week? Um, well, first off, I just want to say Simone Biles is absolutely a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. I admire everything she's done for the U.S. team. Um, yeah. Everything that she will continue to do if she decides to continue mm-hmm. um, into the next one. Um, but my stance is uh, I support her. I support her decisions. I saw um, what was going through, you know, her mind and what was going through her body physically yeah. when she was experienced what they call, um, what is it, like the twisties. You know? Yeah. Uh, you kind of saw it on like when she was um, when she was performing um, it just looked like she was in a in a headspace that was you know when I would be like on a roller coaster yeah going like repeatedly back and forth back and forth back and forth and then getting zooted back into the getting zooted back into the world and having to you know collect myself and that of within its own just looked you know just 
scary. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like if you were to, you know, catch yourself a little bit too late or too early, you can, you can be, you know, seriously injuring yourself and not, not just like, you know, you know, you broke it, broke an ankle. You can be like a snap neck. Yeah. This is is like a gymnastics in the way like the routines work. Exactly. This is a sport that requires a lot of muscle memory um, that, that she can do. And she has done in the past perfectly. Yeah. Um, but that, that's not to say that she can't do it again. And she's not saying to herself that she can't do it again. She just notices, you know, these are, you know, things that are happening. Um, these things can hurt me. Yeah. And do I value my health? Do I value my mental health over, you know, the, the billions that are watching? Yeah. Um, and I respect that decision. I think, I think she's doing a good job and she actually, you know, planned to come back mm-hmm. to compete in the balance beam. So, you know, I, I think she's really um, taking it, you know, day to day. Yeah. And, you know, respecting herself more than, you know, everyone else. Cause there's, there's a lot that comes with an Olympian. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not just, you know, you put, put your time in day to day and then clock out and then, you know, appear at the Olympics and it's over. There's, there's way more to that. You know, it's like what all, I think it was Jalen Rose. Mm-hmm. He was talking about it. Um, recently on one of those podcasts, I think it was like the daily breakfast show or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. And he was saying, you know, comparing like, we're not just, we're not just athletes. We, we can't just shut up and dribble. Yeah. That's like the theme that, you know, we've been hearing for so long mm-hmm. and I, I respect her decision. Uh, she's, she's I been think, doing, she's been doing think, there. she needs to take a little bit off the gas. She can do it. That's I think, okay. I think it's, I totally agree with everything you've said. So far, I think like some of these predominant athletes like Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, just to like name two people, for examples, they've sh- they're showing that even though these athletes are at like such a high caliber in their careers and like in the world and showing dominance in what they do, they're just as human as any one of us. And they need to take a break and s- from like the constant like moving training competing like that same routine that they've been going through for the past few years because it takes a toll on you and obviously we're gonna have like the people who support them and the people who go like oh you just need to toughen up and do your job because that's what they said about naomi osaka some of like the commentators like oh this you signed up to do this media stuff with the sport that's where you're getting your endorsements that's where you're getting your money and then there's people like, bro, just she just needs to relax. You can't just keep answering these questions when she's not in the right space to answer these questions. Exactly. I just think people need to just kind of step back and say to themselves, you know, we're all human. Yeah. We all have our, you know, triumphs. We all have our failures and all the in-betweens. Yeah. And, you know, some days are harder than the next. And you have to realize that, you know, when you're doing those, those mm-hmm. things that you normally do, it can, you know, come and go. Like when, you know, if I had to compare it um, to where I'm at in my life, mm-hmm. um, a big thing that, you know, us, you know, year one dental students yeah. happen to see when we're initially starting to drill um, is that there's a lot of inconsistency sometimes. Mm-hmm. You can be like two months in and you're feeling like on top of the world, and then you go into a practice just like any other day and you're just like, you're not getting your depth right yeah. or you're not getting your, your outline form right. Or, um, you know, you're just, you're just messing up by like taking out the bird and making a cuss by accident. Like it's, it's little things like that that start to get in your head. And then it's that inner mind that just, just tells you like, you know, keep doing this or, or stop. Yeah. Like it can be one or the other. It's, it's just how, you know, you interpret it in that moment. It's like a lot about mental adversity. So it's like, I don't know, for me specifically, like, I think I have those battles constantly. It's like, okay, can you, like, people tell me I can't do it. And then I'm like, I can do it. But it's also, you want to be good at like, you want to be, become perfect at what you're, what you want to do. So it's like, in your, in your case, you, you have a lot of pressure, right? When they're like, even if it's like a, a practice patient, like you have to be very comp, you have to be very confident in your hand skills and whatnot so is there like something that you do before you go into lab or like having to do one of your practicals is there something that you do to get into that right headspace 
Yeah, let's say the night or the days leading up to a practical, yeah. which basically just, you know, a big exam, but in this sense, you're, you're testing your hands. Yeah. Um, what I like to do is repetition. Okay. Um, but not over, not, you don't, you don't do it overly. Like yeah. you just do it in moderation, but if you do it, you know, planned and back to back, Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I like to do. I like to go in and drill on a Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, if my exam is on Friday. And I also like to drill on Thursday. Yeah. So I would be going in. My routine is I set up, I say to myself, I'm going to do one tooth and then that's it. Yeah. Good or bad. That's it. Unless it's insanely bad. Yeah. Then, then maybe I'll do another one. But like, I always like to get in my mindset, like it's a one and done. You practice how you play. My exam will be a singular one and done. Yeah. So I want to practice how I play. And the same goes for in a patient. When I go in with my drill, yeah. it's one and done. Whatever I do in that mouth, it's it's done. Right. I can't undrill what I've already drilled. Mm-hmm. So you have to be, you know, honest with yourself. You'd be like, this is my, um, this is what I'm going to do today because this is exactly how it's going to be when it comes to test day. Yeah. And I remember telling, uh, the, the same thing applied when I was taking the dental admission test. Mm-hmm. I was telling my brother, cause he was also applying around the same time I was Yeah. studying the same time I was as well. And I was telling him, I was saying, um, why don't you like take the practice tests, um, how you would take it when you're like there in the exam. Right. Meaning that when you go into the exam, we can't write down like anything permanently on a scratch sheet of paper with a pencil or a pen. The only thing we're given is a laminated sheet of paper and an expo marker. Yeah. And we can't even erase what we have on there. We have to raise our hands and then the uh, administrator comes in and then they, they take it from you and then they give you a new one. Yeah. And that's like time wasted within right. its own. So like you have to practice how you play. And for me, I like to do it in moderation, Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to test day, I'm not going to overdo it because if you do overdo it, then, you know, you're going to be exhausted on, on game day and you're going to just psych yourself out. Yeah. So like, that's how I like to do it. I think like, yeah, I think you have a similar mindset to like, as a competitor, like some of these athletes are doing, but like when you do, as we were talking about earlier, when you do get into like a little bit of a dump or like uh, a mud of a day, what do you do to like recover? Like, do you like, uh, I remember you recently you just started like sitting in the sauna. You were telling me like how it like clears out your body and like you feel rejuvenated. Is that like, is that one of the like new routines that you're doing to like just clear yourself, clear your mind and restart, like hitting the restart button? Well, the sauna is a different story. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't do that with the intent of, um, trying to like focus my mind or mm-hmm. focus my body or even recover yeah um, i i just do the sauna because it makes me feel good okay when i come out of it like i feel like i just went through like a semi-war with my own mind okay but that's not me saying like going in was the purpose was to to test my mind Ooh. well i'm just getting cheese game spicy chicken sandwich oh yes wendy's thanks mom yeah, so I don't, I don't really do that as my, my process mm-hmm. uh, to try to get out of those ruts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't even have a process when I get in those ruts. I feel like whenever I'm in those ruts, it's not like a systematic order of events that I take to try to get out. I think it's just more of like a feeling. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm in a rut. Uh, I don't know what to do. Um, I feel bad. So I try to make, I try to do things to make me feel good. Yeah. Like, you know, talking to a friend, yeah. talking to family, going, going to work out, taking a nap, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so much like just that. distract the mind from mm-hmm. that rut. Because if you're in the rut, only thing you're going to be thinking about is, is the rut. Right. That's the only thing, about, the only thing you see. Um, and that was, that was literally me yesterday. And I, and I texted you about it too. Yeah. It assignment for a uh, public health course that I'm in which is restraining me from my summer at the moment. I'm very close to finishing that class. That class is a menace to society right now. It truly is. I, I love the teacher. She's 
yeah. I mean, she actually cried at, at the end of today's session. Oh, wow. And, and I was, I was about to tear up too. I, I felt, I felt the emotion behind it. I felt like she was truly genuine with us the entire semester. Yeah. Like a, like a parent pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was in a rut like literally yesterday and I reached out to you. So like, it's not, you know, it's not like a systematic process that goes through my mind of yeah, how to get like, out of it. Kind of spontaneous sometimes and like how you change yeah. it up and how you get back to yourself. Yeah. Because if you're in those ruts and you have a systematic process, like what happens if that doesn't work? Right. Yeah. And I've experienced that. It's like, sometimes I, when I get frustrated or I can't get something like I go work out, release some energy and I still feel the same way. And I'm just like, this is supposed to work. And I feel like you get more frustrated when your system does not work. Mm -hmm. So you gotta, you gotta have some, for me, some things need to be structured. Yeah. Like for example, my course load schedule. Mm -hmm. I, I need to put that into a Google calendar. Yeah. I need to set reminders. I need to put in exam dates. You need to, you need to have a plan. Right. You don't, you don't need to overthink what to do when you're feeling bad. Yeah. Cause you know yourself. Yeah. You know how to get out of that and you know how to get out of that in multiple ways that you, you know, you don't even know. Yeah. So Nate, have you picked up any new, like, hobbies or like stuff that you like to do like in this kind of like transition year from like undergrad to like graduate school new well i wouldn't even say it's new something okay my roommate rob rob yost shout out um he kind of introduced me into the the world of edm i despised it i did not i did not like it before i couldn't understand why people even went to those things electronic music like what is what is so great about it they're not even seeing, doing lyrics no there's no words to me at the beginning it all sounded the same yeah um but that's like with any other music like when i first got introduced to rap i was like it all sounds the same i don't understand yeah. what's going on um but i was being honest with myself i'm like okay well step back when i was watching rap for the first time or mm -hmm. listening to rap i was in that same spot right and now, so I'm like, I'm like, okay, let me be open to this. I'll, you know, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll, I'll come along. I'll go to, I'll go to the festival. Um, and yeah, we went, we went to uh, one this past summer mm -hmm. and uh, I had a blast. It changed my whole perspective. Yeah. On EDM as a whole. What are and, like some events that like transpired like during these concerts? Like, cause it's just a big rave, correct? Uh, yeah, but this one, so they call it a festival. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to, trying to remember what festival it was. Okay. I'm blanking on it right now, but I'll, I'll come back to it. Okay. We can come back to it. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, so it was, a, it was a festival. Um, oh, it was called Lost Lands, the Lost Lands Festival. Okay. And, uh, it was a two day event. Um, I say for both days, uh, it was me and my um, two roommates, Rob and Charbel. Um, shout out to Charbel. Yeah, shout out to Charbel. Um, hate his cat though, Luna, suck it. <laughs> um, and then Rob's like hometown friends and one of our other friends, uh, Shafali, which you've met. Um, yeah. Shout out to Shafali. Shout out to the boys. That's right. Yeah, shout, yeah. shout out to the boys. And um, I don't know, it just like, we went there mm -hmm. and like we got pretty pretty lit i'd say um not on not on alcohol <laughs> okay okay <laughs> but um we were rolling and uh it was like an experience i had um and i would say in comparison to uh, to marijuana pretty much for me okay that's what it felt like um, I felt like a, a good feeling okay. in like the body. Uh, I felt like a good feeling from the head. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt like um, an immense sense of like love towards my peers that were around me. Okay. Um, and like it just, I don't know, a good sense of like brotherhood. Okay. It was, it was a very interesting experience. Um, and it was the experience that one would do at those concerts and it kind of opened up my perspective to like okay well now i understand like why people like this right 
But then I was like, okay, well, let me see how it would be if I didn't roll the next day. Yeah. And so the next day we just did it like completely sober. I had like the occasional like drinks of uh, Jack Daniels or okay. some sort of, yeah. it, was, it was a weird, it wasn't, it wasn't Jack Daniels, it was a weird whiskey brand okay. uh, that we just got convenience store, super cheap. But I was just like, okay, um, couple, couple, like couple drinks of that. I was not like even close to being uh, intoxicated at all. Yeah. Cause you're jumping around the entire time. Like it's just super hot. Yeah. You're sweating out. So I'm just like, all right, well, sober the next day. And I still had, I still had a great time. Yeah. I, I still had that sense of, companionship and energy i feel like that's the biggest thing is when you go to those concerts you have to have a lot of energy i don't see myself going to those concerts when i'm like in my 30s um, like your body would be destroyed unless i'm like very jacked at that point which I uh, well to get well now um, that you bring up jack i want to give our listeners a brief trans- transformation story when nate came into undergrad you were like what, one thirty at most or one forty? Yeah, I was. I was one thirty, like soaky wet. Yeah, it's like Nate was really like scrawny. And then think of it as John Krasinski, the transformation from the office to thirteen hours of Benghazi. Nate just got jacked no. over the no, summer, not, and that's not really even. like he tend to have more energy, like going into like the rest of our three years together at VCU. Not even close. I think it's pretty I, close. I think the sim- I think the comparison is pretty close. I'm flattered, but I do not have six pack abs. I do not have boulders as a as a shoulder. I am now sitting at a, a nice 165. Yeah. And have been for a while because I like to maintain this body shape. Yeah. Um there wasn't and there wasn't any motivation either to do it other than I just like I felt weak. Yeah. I felt weak when I woke up in the morning and I felt weak when I was literally just like walking and standing, mm-hmm. like going into, going into church when I came back from home. Yeah. Standing and singing those songs would literally make me fatigued. Yeah. Because of the, the muscles that I didn't have <laughs> were just not there. So yeah. I was like, all right, let's, let's get those freshman 30. But in a good way. He put on good weight in a, in a good manner. He, I got to tell them, though, man, this man would eat, what, four plates and still be hungry somehow. And I just yeah. look at him and go, like, this man's crazy. Like, I don't know how he's still hungry, like, after four solid meals in one sitting. Well, that was because, uh, if you don't remember, I was taking those, um, what would you call those? like supplements it was like hunger pills basically okay it would make you you more you know hungry yeah basically just like here's your stomach now it's a bottomless pit yeah and that's basically what happened i was taking those pills and it could could have been entirely placebo yeah as we know placebo actually does play a big role like it's mostly it's a lot of mind mind over body type of stuff right yeah you're just figuring your mind, maybe taking, I, I may have been taking sugar pills at the entire time, but increase yeah. my appetite. Yeah. You were inhibiting those, uh, let's get some biological terms in there. Some secretin, some CCK. Yeah. Yeah. I do, so, I do think like, I think you've, I think you've known for like a long time, like for me, it was a complete opposite. Like for you, it was like hard to like put on weight in the beginning, but for me, it was very easy. And I had to like work extra harder to like lose that weight. So I think it's like, a lot of it, it's like you were happier and felt better when you were a little bit heavier. But for me, it's like I feel happier uh, and more comfortable when I'm a little lighter than my my sitting weight. And I think it's a lot of mind over body. So again, we're coming back to like fighting those thoughts or like telling ourselves like you can do it. Like you, it's it's just you got to get your right in the right headspace and you just got to get to the grind and and grind it out. Yeah, dude. Like right now, I'm telling my mom, bro, you just ate a whole plate of leftover fajitas. Yeah. And you're going to finish now two whole spicy chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Right after eating an entire like thing of Oko's yogurt as well. He's bringing all the energy for the pod. I love it. I love it. I feel like it's it's necessary. You know, you need your energy to put in yeah good results 
You know, that's why like athletes like to carb load before. Yeah. I'm carb loading during, after, and you know, it's <laughs> the entire time. Nature's built differently. <laughs> I'm just hungry, bro. Yeah, he's just hungry. <laughs> Let's keep it real. He's just hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry as fuck, bro. But no, I mean, going back to what you were saying about the Olympics, though, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, or if other people feel this, but I always just feel like when I see the Olympics, I just think of race wars. You know? Can you can you go further into that? Like, what do you mean by race wars? I just think of like, here's our country. Here's our medal count. Yeah, we're better. We're better than you. Our race is better than yours. Yeah. Our country is better than yours. And I'm just like, this is so weird to me. Like, it, it literally just puts everyone like, you know, your country is underdeveloped. My country is not. Yeah. It's like what we were talking about the other day. It was like, I was reading this about swimming. And we were talking about like that Tunisia swimmer who won gold, I think, in 400 meters freestyle. I might be like misspeaking about that. But like we were talking about like how the commentators were only focusing on the people in the middle lanes because they're from countries that were better known than Tunisia. They weren't speaking about that swimmer until like the last like round of that heat where he was winning gold, where he was right about to touch to win gold. And I think it's, there's, I don't know. I think it's, it's, that needs to be changed. Yeah. And I think um, what, what I was saying earlier, like our country's more developed than yours. Like if you think about it <clears throat> in Tunisia, mm-hmm. The comparison to the United States, they probably have significantly less Olympic-sized pools yeah. for their population to practice in. Yeah. Us, on the other hand, we probably have many, you know, like hundreds yeah. in just one state. Yeah. So and the funding too. Like I it's not even just like like arenas or places to train, it's the funding to get trainers and coaches to train you to get you that far. Like some of these exactly. countries probably won't even have enough money for that. Exactly. And a lot of, a lot of this is self-funded too. Like a lot of our athletes, they do this out of their own initiative, out of their own pocket. Yeah. So I, whenever I, whenever I think of the Olympics, I just think of race wars. I think of our country's more developed. Mm-hmm. We've got more medals. We're better than you. Yeah. And I'm just like, is this a stigma that I'm feeling on my own? Am I doing this? Like, you know, just out of my own mind and no one else is seeing what I'm seeing. Um, but also at the same time, like I, I participate in it. Like when I'm, you know, when I toss on the Olympics and like, um, you know, I'm watching, um, you know, the swimming team, like, let's say like the 400 meter medley, you know, I'm watching that and we had, you know, a history, I think it was like 14 times in a row yeah. where we've won that. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh, like I, I, for some reason, I have this immense sense of like, like national pride. Yeah. Um, inside of me and to just be like, you know, let's, let's go, let's go USA. Like it's, and it comes out of nowhere too, because I'm not watching swimming. Yeah. At all until the Olympics. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. It just, you know, your innate reaction to like, you see the flag and, you feel some type of way like you know for you you know you're american and you're indian so yeah. like, what, what do you feel when you see you know a united united states man or woman mm-hmm. face off against like someone from india well i haven't you seen too what many is, competitions your, where, i haven't seen like too many competitions where uh, a person from america was um facing like a, an indian athlete but I think like yesterday when we had PV Sindhu, who was a who won gold for India in badminton yesterday against Japan. I, oh, think, I saw that. That was fire. Yeah, that was that was an amazing competition. I saw that. And even though like I don't have that strong of a connection to like be supporting the Indian Olympic team or like their competitions, it was like a sense of like happiness within myself being like, yes, like we're we're showing the world that. Even the, like with even with India being such a big populated country, we can still produce athletes who can compete with you guys on the same level. It might not be like the big sports like swimming, basketball, soccer, gymnastics, but we're still producing athletes 
who are on the same level as you right like even in weightlifting that's they won silver and that was like one of their first medals in the beginning of the olympics do you ever see because what we've been talking about yeah do you ever see a point where other nations like developing nations will eventually surpass these like huge you know powerhouse countries like the u.s and china yeah like when 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 would that even be you know what i mean like i would love to see the norm yeah. for like peru or india to yeah. start dominating you know the olympics it's and i think that i think to myself like all the time like when will that point like, ever happen because like we're already so massive we're already so big we're always just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger yeah i feel like when it, that's why I keep going back to the, the race wars. I feel like because we're already so far ahead, mm-hmm. it's never going to be possible for them to even get close. I think, I think it has happened. I don't think it will happen like a sweep in all, in all events, but you can see it like happening in like a powerhouse, like USA basketball. Getting, yeah, I was about to, yep. Like getting taken down by like Nigeria, France, especially Nigeria. Everyone expected that game to be a blowout by the US side. So I don't, I think these underpopulated countries will definitely like take over and I think they'll shock people like in specific events. Like again, like going back to basketball or swimming when that Tunisia swimmer beat out some major countries for the gold. Right. I think it's happening. I think it's definitely on the rise because this next generation or this generation, the upcoming generation of athletes, it's it's completely like different the way their training is the way they take their health and the way they go about playing their sport. It's just evolving in a way that um, they're just producing better results every, every time they get in the event. Right. And I just see all those, I just see all those ads where it just says inspiring the youth of tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I just keep, I keep going back to the race horse thing. I was like inspiring the youth of tomorrow. If I'm born in like Tunisia and no one's been doing anything until now. And even then I'm still so much further behind than everyone else to even get to that, that specific level. Yeah. Like inspiring. I think other, I think other countries <laughs> like need to like bring some sort of developmental change to like these underdeveloped uh, countries. Like, let's take baseball or basketball, for example, right? You have so many uh, foreign athletes coming to the U.S. to participate in Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association. Where are they coming from? For baseball, it's mostly from like South America, right? And these underpopulated states, or countries, sorry, where they're producing mass, like great athletes, but they just don't have someone to watch them. Someone to go like, this kid is good. They're going to be great and whatever sport that we're, we want them in, right? So I think, I think other nations need to like um, kind of take more interest in these underdeveloped countries by sending out more scouts or like sending their own coaches to help develop these people. Right. <clears throat> and I just like, I just think about that constantly because I imagine this, imagine <clears throat> if it was required by the, um, you know, the Olympic committee. Yeah to limit every country to only having X amount of like, you know, Olympic sized pools, X amount of Olympic sized like tracks, X amount of this and that and that, you know, even trying to even the playing field as much as they, pro- like as much as they possibly can. Yeah. After that, you know, like I wonder that to ourselves. I think it could be made possible, but I think there'd be a large uproar about it from like uh, a lot of people. Like, let's take the United States, for example. If we were restricted yeah, that, we'd be all, you know I mean, like, it's just a theory. Like, it would never happen. It, it would, would never happen. But I'm saying, like, there'd be a large, uh, like, outspoken thing about it. Like, that would ha- that would occur if it did happen. But if it did happen, that's when I'm like, okay, now actually, where would we stand? Yeah. Like athletically because that's the olympics it's testing your like you know your athletic ability mm-hmm. you know, your mental ability as an individual mm-hmm. not as a country but because it is you know 
um, it, because it's it's events related towards you know nation by nation. Yeah, that also plays a role in it, and that's where I'm like, is Olympics really a good like measurement? Well, the Olympics, it's like the athletes aren't training in their home country itself. They're tra- they're training like in various other countries. They're not like specifically staying. I don't know, like, for example, like Canada, like those athletes aren't staying in Canada only to train. They're either going to Europe or like North America, uh, US, right? It's like that Belarus uh, uh, female runner. She hasn't been back to her home country like in a while because she's been like training in somewhere in Europe or like even Canada. So it's like, I don't think it's, you can say like, oh, I don't think that can occur because some of these people don't even stay in their own home country to uh, uh, train. Which kind of emanates what I'm saying. It's like, you know, you have to be so good to leave your own country. Yeah. And there's something wrong already. Like, the bar is set so high, you have to surpass the bar mm-hmm. just to be on a on a similar playing field as someone who's already born in the U.S. Which is, I don't know, the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics. Um, always have. I always will. Um, but. I think uh, there's a lot of areas where they can improve and there's, you know, that's, that's just with anything. I, I just feel. I think that same argument for like education. Like I think if some, if children like in Africa, like India and all these other developing countries have the same resources as we do, I think the, I think the education would be amazing, like all over the world. Oh yeah, man. Like, if we all just helped and, and try to, you know, give a little money to, to end poverty. Yeah. It would be done by for almost everything. Like we can be like, okay, if we if this country also had the same stuff as us, like mm-hmm. they would also be at the same level. Right. But I'm just saying in general, I think the Olympics kind of forces me to see that side yeah. on a level that's kind of digestible to the public. But I'm acknowledging that. I'm like, this is kind of weird that we do this um because we're always gonna win yeah well it's not true we're not always gonna win like not not, not like we're always gonna win as when i say we i mean the the, the 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 developing nations yeah yeah are always gonna win yeah or, or or win a good majority yeah so what i was gonna bring up with that was like when you said we're not we're always gonna win i was like look at the u.s men's national team soccer right like they're outranked when it comes to like some of these other uh, teams, like in Europe, uh, Africa, and like, I don't know, everywhere else. Like we just can't make it out of any cup, any stage, unless we're playing teams that are like below us. And that's just because it goes always back to, you know, your development leagues, your trainers, yeah, and um, you know, your, your tradition and history of that individual sport. And also just like, you know, the drive of, specific athletes wanting to go into that sport yeah i think america breeds a lot of athletes that don't go into that sport mm-hmm. uh, because they want to pursue other sports that are more appealing to you know americans yeah and i think we can also talk about like i think a big appeal sometimes would most of the time it's your passion right it's like what you want to do and how you enjoy the sport but i think another determinant factor would be like pay right so like when you're in high school if you're like a multi-sport athlete like you've seen it in the past, if you're a star stud in football and basketball, they're like, okay, I can go one and done in college for basketball. If I know I can make it to the NBA, why would I go to college and be forced to pay, play three or four years of football and then make it to the league when I can make money right away, like right yeah. out of high school. So I think money is also like a determinant factor in like what sport sometimes one chooses to participate or play. No, I, I totally agree. But going back to money and sports, what are your thoughts about <clears throat> college athletes? The yeah. NIL being able to um, use their name, likeness, and image. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been having mixed thoughts about this, but I think at the end, it's very beneficial for some athletes. Like, obviously, like the skull, like you never know, like what the finance financial situation or like what the terms of one's full ride could be so i think it's great in that aspect on how these student athletes who bring in money to these schools like football basketball 
like especially during March Madness, like these schools are making millions of dollars off of these kids. And I totally agree with that. If they're being, if they're making this school that much money, they deserve something out of that cut. They should not just be left out. Right. Just because they're amateurs, they're not professionals yet. And they've not declared themselves professionals. So, so I, that's, that's the determining fact. That's what basically led them to keep their money. was the fact that they said it's because you're not professional athletes. Yeah, Yeah, because if they're getting paid in college, right, college is considered still considered amateur. Mm -hmm. They're not in the big leagues yet. So it's like, why would you want to pay? You're just ruining the concept, I believe. Like, I think that's what their interpretation was. Oh, so then that's it. It's it's a concept that was initiated as a a person, whoever wrote, you know, this concept up and wrote it in stone. They just don't the want to. Side of it is, I think you do need to set limits on how much one can make off of their name, likeness, and image, right? Because there was a story yesterday. This college, there's he's going to be enrolling early at Ohio State. He's a five-star quarterback, right? He can make. There was a report. He can make almost up to two million dollars. Okay. Right, and I think that's. I think when you're comparing someone like that to maybe like a walk-on kid. You got to go like, okay, there has to be some fairness, right? Like, I get it. You're a stud. You deserve all the money that you can make, but you're still in college. So you should set a limit because in the future, if they don't, I feel like it can turn really bad. And like on how um, these college, college kids are spending their money and how they behave. I mean, I'm not predicting like it's going to go that way. I can't make an accurate statement, but I think there should be set limits on how much money like uh, each college athlete can make. Now, for me, back when EA was making literal games off of these college athletes Mm -hmm. and getting away with it and not reimbursing a single penny into those people that they're like, where's, where's the line for that? Like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, that's I'll why they go. stopped making it. I think that's why, like, some like, they stopped. Well, no, yeah, they stopped, they stopped making it. But, like, you know, you've already used their faces, their names, yep. their literal body to make money. And with what consent, with, you know, what reimbursement, there's literally none. There's none. It's like the whole uh, – are you familiar with the Reggie Bush incident where he lost his Heisman? Yeah, yeah. They, they ruled that Reggie Bush – this this year that he cannot get his Heisman back he's he didn't cheat he didn't take any uh, steroids or drugs to enhance his performance he just took money underneath the table because he needs to support his family somehow right so it's like I think like some people in some schools got cheated out really hard back in the day when before like this was made legal because they did their players didn't cheat it's not like they took some sort of enhancement drug to make them win games or they didn't pay off people. They just paid these kids to come there. Exactly. And speaking about the, you know, it's not an enhancement drug that goes back to the Olympics again with yeah. uh, Shikari Richardson. Yeah. I think, I think what that is, I have, I support her and like why she took it to like, because of her mother passing away, she wanted to use it for therapeutic reasons, but she knew she was going to break the rule like of taking taking this drug and that could get her disqualified but that's where i disagree with her and saying like you should you knew you were breaking a rule but i don't think that drug that drug is supposed to inhibit you from doing better like she still performed she was the fastest runner in the 100 meters Mm -hmm. so that's where i was just like you know picking brains of peers when i was um, still back in pit yeah because uh, they were talking about it, and I just had to be right next to them. So, one of the girls was was talking to me. She's like, "I don't, I don't understand why everyone's supporting her. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't make sense to me." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, why do you think it doesn't make sense?" And she's like, "Well, she saw the rules. She broke it. Mm-hmm. She paid. She paid the price." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "That's true, but that's not what people are arguing about, yeah. or even you know talking about. They're they're talking about." an old rule um, that was set by the Olympics mm-hmm. and they're trying to stir the pot, create some sort of, 
you know, conversation to potentially perpetuate change. Yeah. To that rule. Because it's not um, a performance enhancing drug. It's not. It's an inhibitor. It's, it's just weed. Yeah. And that's what we're just trying to say. I, I don't. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with that statement. Uh, with her statements. Yeah. Um, and even Shikari Richardson agrees. She's like, I did. I was. I was wrong. I was in the wrong. Yeah. I'm not trying to really explain myself, but here is my position. And yeah. You know, drop the mic. That's it. Yeah. I think like I think the 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 progressive movement of the usage of marijuana for in like in sports. I think it's. I think more people are speaking out about it. Like like for. Um, I want to take football as an example. There's been a lot of articles from former athletes who said, I smoked a pot of weed just to help with my, like, just to help with my recovery. I didn't want to be in pain anymore. Right. The, the drugs and stuff, whatever the team wanted to give me, I knew I didn't want to take that because I could have become addicted to it. But weed, it was just like, I can take it. I know I'll be fine. And I know it won't become a problem for me in the future. I won't have to like be completely relying on it and go like in a complete opposite direction. If I were to like, if I were to instead take these pills that I was, that I'd be given by the team. Which also reminds me too, that was another thing about, you know, the performance of Simone Biles. Yeah. Apparently what, this is what I heard from Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Joe Rogan. What's up? Shout out to Joe Rogan. Yeah, shout out to Joe Rogan. You know, truly really inspires. That's why we're doing this now. Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, in Japan, um, they have a ban on uh, her medication that she's been taking for, um, I believe it was like five years she's been taking this, her ADHD meds. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know this. Yeah. So <clears throat> imagine this, right? You've been on some, you know, mind altering drug. Yeah. Um, that's supposed to, you know, help your concentration. Yeah. Um, which in terms would help you perform under levels of stress, which would be exactly, you know, the position she's in as an Olympian. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get there and they say, you can't have this anymore. Yeah. And then you're like, what? And now you're off the drug. And you have like, you know, just a couple, couple days to perform. You're going to be going through withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. Well, five years, they would have to allow you to do it in Rio, right? Or is it just specifically just pertaining to Japan? Just Japan. And here's, uh, let me, let me pull up. Uh, Simone Biles, ADHD meds among common drugs banned from Olympics. Pseudoephedrine, most commonly found in cold and flu medication, Pseudoephed is banned on the day of competition. Interesting. Um, and that's for anxiety? It helps treat anxiety and ADHD? Uh, yeah, ADHD is, uh, is a drug that kind of helps you concentrate, treats anxiety. Yeah. It, is a, it is a mind-altering drug yeah. that helps you concentrate. Is that a, a, uh, like an advantage for her? If you were, if compared, like for her to take it compared to the rest of the athletes who might have other medical conditions? Well, see, now that's kind of tricky because if you're diagnosed with ADHD, I'm assuming that she is, if she's taking Mm -hmm. the meds, um, common things is that, you know, you lose focus, you you fidget, um, you know, you're, you're not, you know, concentrating on a singular subject like most people can. Bouncing off the walls. Yeah. You need that medication. Yeah. To be as a frank term, you know, normal. Yeah. You know, a very loose term. And when you're off that, like the side effects are, are severe if you've been taking it for that long. Yeah. The side effects of any drug are severe um, if sure. you take it for that long. Yeah, I agree. So I, I just kind of want to, because if, if people don't know about that, uh, I kind of want that to be heard. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I didn't know that they, they were not letting her take uh, her specific medication. And to me, that was like, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. That's why she's getting this, you know, these twisties, this brain fog, this uh, un- unnerving, you know, response to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, it would make sense. I think, I think like, I don't know if this is a correct situation to compare it to, but like 
you also hear about before the Olympics started how the Olympic Committee would not allow newly uh, like newborns to like be with their mothers like they wouldn't be allowed to travel and like have like that care no I didn't know that yeah so there's like a big there was a big conversation about how uh, newborn children are like I think it's like up to two years old who like you know like the how they need their moms for like breastfeeding and whatnot and like development there's right. like like how they could not travel to like Japan the the moms the mothers would have to leave behind their kids and there's a huge outroar about it. It's like this this isn't right. Like they need to be with us because this is major for their developmental. Yeah, let me see. Olympians. Oh. <clears throat> Alphine Tuliamuk's infant daughter gets visa, will travel together to Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. Oh wait. There's like a I guess there's so many things just like nitpicky stuff that we can like talk about like regarding the Olympics and like how it's kind of been unfair to a lot of people. Yeah, I feel like with the Olympics, um, that's kind of the conversation that, you know, Shikari Richardson just kind of tossed onto the table that there's a lot of rigid rules with the Olympics. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the Olympic committee is human. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they, you know, respond to anything so you just say here here are the rules and that's it yeah do you think that's only for certain athletes or is it like everyone because we only hear about like the big named athletes who are like facing situations like this well no like the biggest one would be the roc roc yeah the russian olympic committee but that's like they that's no that's 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 a doping like prime example they're responsible for getting kicked out exactly that is a prime example of like you did something bad. Yeah. Super hard against the rules. And we're gonna we're gonna take it to the extreme. Yeah. And the Olympics took it to the extreme. Like yeah, they banned them. They can they literally can't have anything Russian apparel-wise. Yeah. Not even close. If it is somewhat close, they're they're gonna they're gonna tell you to redo it. Think- Russian's not even in the name. All, all you see is ROC. Mm-hmm. Um I mean to me, that was just like big slap in the face. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry that they had to do that. Like, you know, penalize. Like, again, this goes back to my statements. Like, I think the Olympics is very robotic and shows no human emotions because if I'm on the Olympic Committee and I saw that, you know, these Russian athletes were, were doping and um, some of them weren't, I would slap the wrists. This is just me as a human not an Olympic committee member, mm-hmm. but if I was an Olympic committee member, I would, I would tend to go with the, the view of like, you, you know, you harm, um, you know, the people that, that did you wrong. Yeah. Um, and you, and you don't with, with people that didn't do anything wrong, like simple as that. But it's like, how can you deter, like, you, of course you do the testing and whatnot, you find out who is doping, but it's coming from the government, right? It can't just be like these athletes are like taking it by themselves. It has to be instigated or started somewhere. Right. And I believe at least when I watched the Icarus documentary about like the Russian doping scandal, it seemed like it was coming from the Russian government, like these orders to like give out these steroids to these athletes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Russians do a lot of shady stuff. Sorry if you're Russian having watching this, (laughs) but you know, that just kind of emanates exactly all the shady stuff you guys have been doing yeah like that's the correct ban i think they sh- i think they penalized everyone i don't think like because there's i think some swimmer there's like some swimmer the other day or like in some event they're like oh the russian athlete won first and you won second and his response was like i mean i don't know if they're i don't know if they won this event cleanly so it's like i think it's also within the athletes like can i trust you how do i know you're doing this on a like very clean and it's on your own merit right but how can you know the olympics um you know test everyone fairly as well as the russian team without being like i i I feel like the russians are are still doping let's test them more you 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 just can't can't yeah you can't and i don't know just to me i 
I have that stigma yeah. of the Russians, and it has nothing to do with 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 anything that they've done. Yeah. In the past, I just feel like their history um, that's been put into our brains as, as children is just kind of what you know we just keep seeing. Yeah. And I think we're all a little bit, uh, you know, we're not superstitious. We're a little stitious out there. Yeah. I think um, I'm a little bit superstitious sometimes when it comes to certain things. Exactly. And so, like, I mean, it is fair for that, for that athlete to kind of question the legitimacy. Yeah. If the legitimacy was in question literally from the last Olympics. Yeah. So, you know, it, it makes sense to me. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's not to say, like, that's what you get, but... I mean, sometimes it is what you get. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is. You are what you eat, you know? Yeah. Well, man, I, I truly appreciate you taking the time uh, out of the day to do this and hopping on the pod. We had uh, your your older brother, John, as the first guest, um, as my first episode. And I hope you guys both come back. We, that would be pretty fun to do, like, uh, a podcast with the Fig Brothers. Um, but before I let you go, I always do this. It's like a new trend. I change it up. So what I want to ask you is if we had a different universe, right? Oh God. What would you change from, from the, from the universe that you're living in now to the one that you want to create? What I want to change or create in this new alternate universe. You know, I would love to create equality along all boards. Um, okay. So I feel like that's, that's like rule number one, you know, create peace and equality. Yeah. yeah. If, I, if I could, I would. If there's a way, you know, in this in this theoretical world, which yeah. you're saying there is, I would I would 100% choose that. Okay. Learn so much more when people are civilized and peaceful with each other. Yeah. The amount of things we can accomplish when we work together. Yeah. Is literally as much as how much we're working together. If there's five of us in one room, we're already better than one person. Yeah, I agree. Is there is there one more thing you would like to change in this alternate universe? Another thing. Yeah. You can change um, multiple. There's no set limit. Another thing would probably be I don't know, just give everyone like reasonable pay. Like reasonable pay. Okay. So they can, you know, afford to to do things um, and live a healthy lifestyle. I don't want to see, you know, people on the streets. I don't think anyone wants to see people on the streets. Yeah. Like home, like homeless people and like reduce poverty. That's what you would change, right? Like in this alternate universe. Yeah, just just give everyone, you know, equal access to, to opportunity. And I think that's uh, solved. Right. Um, you know, just having having access to money. Yeah. You got, if you if you have money, you can you can do a lot of that. You can, you know, give your child like food, you can give them a house. Yeah. But, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about like developing nations if we if they had the same resources as what other like already established countries have how would they work and how they like produce results oh and then the last thing um give everyone a funny bone bro a funny bone i like that i feel like everyone out there is way too serious <laughs> I've, been trying, I've been trying to keep this podcast very pg um i don't know because i don't know who's gonna watch this but I'm just, I've just been trying to keep PG for the, for, you know, the sake, cause I've watched all your other ones and it seemed like everyone was keeping it very serious. Yeah. I don't know. If, I mean, everyone, whoever, whoever is watching this, I feel like I know who I am talking to, you <laughs> know, my style of humor and it can get very raunchy. Yeah. So I've been trying to stay away from that, but I, I would like to have, you know, a little bit of funny bone. Okay. Added into this world because, you know, laughter and smiles, that's the best cure for everything. I agree. I agree. I think laughter and smiles is definitely a cure to a lot of stuff. Just like the smallest gestures and whatnot can go a long way. Yeah. If you're, if you're being too serious out there, I mean, you know, take a moment, look back and just be like, why am I, you know, why am I being not laughing? Why, why am I being too hard on myself? Just yeah. take the moment, laugh, keep going. Don't be too serious. Dude. <laughs> I think one of your, until I end this off, I think one of your best, I think the way you, you treat yourself and you be happy is just food. I feel like you're, you're a solid foodie. Oh yeah. Again, to all those people that are watching, um, before I started this, I had downed 
<laughs> an entire leftover plate of fajitas, followed by two spicy chicken sandwiches, and uh, is this a large and a large um, side of fries from Wendy's? I don't know how you're not in a food coma. Like I'd be passed out. Like oh, and and um, yogurt. Uh, individual serving size of uh, Greek yogurt as well i forgot about that that's crazy man well as i've said again i hope i hope you come back it's always a blast talking to you and conversing about various topics um but yeah i hope you come back and we'll see you soon oh yeah all right man have a good night see you morning in the morning in the morning in the morning